0: Welcome to Inspired Incompetence, the thickest hams in the podcast game. My name is Alex. First, for anyone listening that may not already know what you're in for, this is an actual play podcast, which is a format that allows you, the listener, to follow along as we play through a serialized adventure with a tabletop role-playing game. Our show specifically will be playing through a pre-written adventure by Paizo using the Pathfinder 1st Edition rules. The great thing about tabletop RPGs is that even though this is a pre-written campaign, our personal playthrough will be completely unique from any other group playing through the same campaign. And the same can be said of any individual group. Based on the player's decisions in making their characters, their in-game decisions, and the GM's reactions to those decisions, every playthrough will have the same broad strokes, yes, but still keep its own personal identity. The campaign we'll be starting today is called Tyrant's Grasp, a survival horror-themed adventure path guaranteed to kill each and every one of the player characters. (laughs) Ha! I'm just kidding. Or am I? Now, before we dive right into it, let's introduce everyone. I shall start. Hi, my name is Alex, and I am the Game Master, which means that I am in charge of all non-player characters, the monsters, the weather, and any other factor not directly controlled by the player characters. I am the narrator and the director. I've been GMing for about 10 years now, and I've almost got the hang of it. I'm a writer by heart, so the storytelling aspect of GMing is what really resonates with me. I'm a father of two, and the whitest honky you'll ever meet. Now, let's move on to my left, and we'll circle through and meet the players and their characters.
1: Hi, I'm Andrew. I'll be playing Father Aethelbert Crow. Besides being one of the player characters in the game, I also do the music.
0: Lovely. Uh, How about
2: Tom? I'm Tom, and I'm going to be playing... I'm playing Vipira Draco, and uh, I've been playing for the past seven years now uh, with these chuckle fucks, so I'm ready for a new character. Let's go. All right. Well,
3: uh, love you too, Tom. How about we go with love Joe? too. <laughs> Hello. Joe here. Uh, I contribute to the podcast bigly, and uh, happy to play and excited for Tyrant's Grasp. Also... My character's name is Thalias, and he's an oath-bound paladin that you're gonna love, maybe. All right, Matt.
4: All right, hi. I'm Matt. Uh, I have been gaming for, God, what, almost fifteen years now since high school. Yeah, and I am going to be playing a dwarf merchant from the high from Highhelm in the Five Kings Mountains, known as uh, Rogyar Stonebuckle.
0: Very good. And sitting at my right hand as is his preference, Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm a right-hand man, kind of
5: man, and I've been gaming uh, probably a little bit less than Axel, but I am very proud to say that I was in Axel's very first GM campaign that was a homebrew. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to think I'm an OG member of his groups, and for this campaign i will be playing Uhtred
0: bebbenbur and yeah it w- it must have been an honor to witness that disaster firsthand Nick. so you know <laughs> what the only thing that was disastrous about
5: the campaign cuz the only other og member andrew fucking necromanced <laughs> the shit out of that yeah he did he really did <laughs> <laughs> andrew showed up for like the first three sessions destroyed it and then was like all right cool i'm out
0: You get the idea. I'm out of here. Sounds like me. (laughs) Okay, guys. Let's not waste another second. Allow me to set the scene for you. But first, I need a strength check from everyone.
5: Oh, God. I'm not good at those.
0: Oh, God. I'm
5: not even in the game yet.
0: I built Uhtred, and I was like,
5: I won't need strength, because I'm going to use dex for everything.
4: (laughs) Ooh, Rogiar got an 18. Wow. All
5: right, how about Oh wait, that's Utrid. Uh, that... Utrid got an 18 as well. So ooh. All right.
0: Uh Vipera. Uh Vipera got a 6. Okay. Father Crow.
1: That would be a 13. Okay.
0: And Tholias. Starting off
3: strong with an 8,
0: baby. Oh man. <laughs> okay, uh all right. So Rogiar and Utrid, what are your strength modifiers? Zero. <laughs> Wonderful.
5: No, How was is, how is yours a zero, Matt? Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So when, you, when you said 18, I assumed you had a good strength.
3: Nope.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe is the strong one in the group. Yeah, he, yeah. you got the second lowest. Sense. Like you said, fair enough. strong. Uh, all right, so that's a roll off.
4: Woo. Roll off. So more strength checks?
0: Just give me a... It's the same thing, so just roll a d20. Bam, 16. Uh, I rolled a natural one. Okay,
3: first natural one of the campaign. Way to go!
0: <laughs> hey, somebody had to get it. And honestly, it was in it was in probably the best uh, the best form it could right. have showed up in.
5: <laughs> Failing a save on the very first save or very first roll isn't going to get you killed. I hope not. If it does, we're in for a long AP.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. The scene begins as you hear a series of quick, sharp sounds echoing off of stone walls, footfalls. We're in a long stone corridor lit only by the occasional torch. A banner decorates the wall, framed perfectly within the torchlight. A flag of green and blue with a white lion beneath a golden crown. The footfalls grow closer, and a well-dressed man sprints into view. The scene follows the man as he runs past several intersections and doorways. He climbs a set of stairs and around a corner. Each torch he passes illuminates his features before he leaves the light behind, falling momentarily into darkness again. While in the light, we see neat, short hair sitting above a clean-shaven face with high cheekbones and bright green eyes held wide open to the point of bulging in a manic expression. The corridor ends with a large set of double doors. The man hardly slows down as he throws them open, where he stops so fast he nearly falls over. The large, windowless room is entirely empty of any furniture, decorations, or even torch fixtures. A sourceless light hangs in the center of the room, near the ceiling, throwing the well-dressed man in the corridor he came from, into a dazzling light. The light also illuminates several chains of strange runes written on the walls of the room, each chain forming its own full circuit around the room's circumference. As the well-dressed man composes himself, doubled over from fatigue, you spot several figures standing near the center of the room, who had all turned to look at the intruder. One of the figures strides forward and as they come closer, the bright light falls from their silhouette, and you can make out finer details. The heavily armored man wears a tabard of red and gold over his breastplate, with a winged eye inside two golden circles. A large bushy mustache dominates his face, and long black hair rests on his shoulders. The mustachioed man looks slightly embarrassed as he places a hand on the back of the well-dressed man. "'Clement, I thought you were finalizing inventory for the 3rd Battalion.' His mustache quivers as he speaks. Clement finishes catching his breath and straightens up. He ignores the question as his eyes, still bulging, frantically take in the strange runes around the room. His eyes narrow as he spots a different symbol on the floor in the room's exact center. He pushes past the mustachioed man to get a better look, and as he grows closer, you can clearly make it out. A circle of powdered silver, a few feet across. Surrounding the circle is a diagram consisting of complex numerology and unfamiliar symbols. Clement stares at the circle and diagram, mouth agape. So it's true. His hushed words echo off the bare walls. He looks up at the remaining figures standing before the circle. A dwarf grasping a strand of prayer beads, and four humans look back at him with somber, yet determined eyes beneath hooded robes. The humans' robes match the aesthetics of the banner from the hallway, green and blue. The dwarfs' robes, though, depict a large hammer and anvil. He turns back to the mustachioed man. Roslar, I begged you to reconsider. I warned you of the consequences. Have you really resigned yourself so? Roselar's mustache is ruffled as he sets his face with defiance. It's too late to be unsure, my friend. But to bind her! Roselar, you- Clement steals a glance at the robed figures behind him. I know what this means to you. Roselar's eyes become glassy, but only for a moment. He then grits his teeth in anger. And it's too late for sentiment. It's not enough! Roselar turns to the robed dwarf. Is everything ready? The dwarf unfolds a very old-looking blood-red cloak and holds it out in front of herself, gazing mournfully at it. As will ever be, Roselar. Then we begin. Roselar steps past Clement, back towards the circle. Over his shoulder, he says, You may stay and witness the ritual, but if you interfere... You will force my hand. Clement, eyes bulging once more, stares at the circle of powdered silver, which has started to glow as the dwarf begins to chant under her breath. My job was never to interfere, my friend. Only to advise. And to weep when you damn us all anyway. The four robed humans join the dwarf's chanting as Roslar stands by, staring off in thought. Clement stands back, eyes wide, as he watches from the far wall. The powdered silver begins to shake, and the diagram around it glows bright red. The dwarf and four humans continue chanting and take their places around the diagram. After several minutes of chanting, the dwarf holds out a large, white, elegant feather in one hand. She holds her other hand out and pierces her palm with the feather stem, drawing blood. She begins walking toward the human adjacent to her, while holding the feather like a quill, tracing several runes in the air, and as she does... A steady stream of her blood is pulled from her palm to the feather's stem, and then hangs in the air where she traced. The human holds his palm out, and the dwarf draws more blood from him, continuing on to the next human, while tracing more runes, but this time, the blood comes from the human's palm. The dwarf repeats this with each member of the circle, until she arrives back at her spot. All the while, the chanting grows louder, the silver powder shakes more intensely, and the diagram glows brighter. The chains of strange runes along the walls begin to coil around the room like so many serpents constricting their prey. Wind begins blowing out from the center of the room, ruffling the spellcaster's robes and pulling on Roslar's hair. Finally the dwarf points a finger at the silver powder and diagram, and a beam of green light shoots from her hand and disperses into a shimmering green field. Amid the chanting of the humans, she looks over her shoulder, holding up the white feather. Roslar! Now is the time. Speak the name of that whom you wish to call. Roslar strides up to the dwarf and plucks the feather from her hand. He crushes it in his gauntlet, and red and white dust streams from his clenched fist, caught in the steadily growing winds. As the dust flurries through the room, the runes of blood hanging in the air lose their shape as their essence is siphoned into the glowing red diagram on the floor. For only a moment he hesitates, looking both terrified and exhilarated. Then he raises his fist high and shouts, I call the Herald of Aradin the Last Islanti. She the Red Crusader. I call Erasne." The roaring wind stops, and the room is plunged into silence as a blinding red light tears through the air within the silver circle. For a moment you can't see or hear anything, Then the light recedes, and a woman stands inside the circle, surrounded by the field of floating emerald motes. Her rich, crimson hair dances like flames above an angelic, heart-shaped face with large, expressive eyes. Exquisite, form-fitting clothes of deep red hug her slim figure. For a moment she looks surprised, her large, beautiful eyes drawn to Roslar. All eyes in the room follow. And everyone focuses on the mustachioed knight, who stands motionless, staring at the otherworldly beauty before him. His mouth hangs open, twitching in a failed attempt at speech, and his eyes swim in a molten mixture of joy and sorrow. The moment passes, and Arasni attempts to approach Roslar, but is immediately stopped by some invisible barrier. Surprise melts into confusion, and then she notices the shimmering green dust floating around her, and her eyes fall onto the diagram on the floor, and confusion is sundered by anger. A pristine silver rapier appears at her hip, and she reaches down to draw it, but the dwarf raises the old red cloth high over her head, brandishing it at Arasni, and one of the chains of strange runes slithering around the room peels off the walls and shrinks, passing harmlessly through everyone else and constricting itself around the Red Crusader. The room is filled with a shriek of rage, as if the sound came not just from Arasni's mouth, but the air itself. A wind pulses out from the center of the room as if the very air had been heaved away by her anger. While Arasni strains to free her bound arms, the dwarf twists around and shouts, Roslar A tear trails down his cheek as Roslar blinks and snaps out of his trance. He takes a step forward and spreads his arms. Erasne, As soon as he speaks, Erasne stops struggling and glares at him. Your god's nemesis, Tar-Bafon, has returned. Erasne's glare softens somewhat as a modicum of concern peers through her large eyes. Our prayers to Eredin have fallen on deaf ears, and so we bind you today. The fleeting concern in Arasne's eyes is pulled back, and her anger returns. Her stance widens, and her back arcs as she pulls against her bound arms with all her might. A hissing twang resounds through the room as the chain of symbols holding her arms to her sides protests at her incredible strength, and the pulsing wind sends the four robed humans stumbling back. The dwarf brandishes the red cloth once more, and two more chains peel off from the walls, further constricting her arms and clamping around her legs. The red crusader falls to her knees. She looks up at the dwarf with hatred on her lips, but before she can speak, the dwarf sends the final chain at Erasne's mouth. The pulsing wind ceases, and the humans again take their places around Erasne. Silenced, bound, and compromised, Arasni can only tremble with anger as Roslar cautiously steps toward her, her large eyes bulging in a silent scream. Roslar hesitates again, crushing regret dragging his movements. Finally, he kneels down and is eye to eye with her. Our shining crusade has fought his armies for over sixty years. For many of us, it is all we know. Today, we bind you out of desperation and fatigue. Arasni, we bind you to this singular task. Slay Tarbaphon, the whispering tyrant, so we may finally end this war. Do you accept this binding? With waning composure, Arasni's quivering head dips once in a single, slow, unblinking nod. The dwarf signals the other robed humans to end their chanting, and the ring of powdered silver on the floor slithers around Arasni's leg and solidifies as a band around her ankle. The field of green dust collapses to the floor, as do the chains of symbols, freeing Arasni from her restraints. All is silent as Arasni stands back up. She holds her glare on Roslar for a tense moment, and then, in a flash of crimson, she disappears. Those remaining let out a collective breath, and Roslar, still kneeling, collapses onto his hands. Tears dot the floor, and his back heaves deeply. Standing against the far wall, you can see Clement, eyes wide as ever. After a moment, he takes a step toward Roslar. This will come back to haunt you. Roslar violently twists around, his face contorted in grief. Let it haunt me! I don't deserve peace after what I've done, no more than the people deserve for this war to go on any longer. Roslaw returns to his hands and knees, fully withdrawing from those around him, while the dwarf and robed humans likewise stand close to each other, looks of deep guilt on their faces. Clement takes a step back, then he turns and leaves. We follow Clement as he winds his way back through the corridors beyond the summoning chamber passing torches that bring his face into full view, then dash it into darkness. With each passing torch, the pace of his walk quickens, and a creeping mania seems to settle into his face as his eyes manage to bulge even further from their sockets, and his mouth is stretched open, baring his teeth in an emaciated yawn. Finally, he turns into a room and closes the door, and we're plunged into near-total darkness. You can see only the faintest of shapes and Clement's silhouette, which remains standing just next to the door. (laughs) A soft green glow appears, offering little additional lighting, but you can see the source of the light being clutched in both of Clement's hands. Yes, master. I have wonderful news. The green glow is snuffed out, total blackout. Nine hundred years later, a small room comes into view. It's still completely dark, but we're given enhanced clarity, and you can see several coffins with heavy stone lids lined up side by side along the room's length. A mural sits on the wall above the coffins, depicting several crusaders in red uniforms. Large, slanted letters appear over this scene, forming the title screen. Book One, The Dead Roads the title fades, and one of the coffin lids moves. Utrid, you've awoken sealed inside a dark stone box, just barely large enough for you to lay motionless inside of. With some hefty pushing, you've just managed to slide the lid free. It was pitch black inside the box, and it's just as dark outside. What is your reaction to your situation as you finish hefting the heavy stone to the side?
5: I have no recollection of how I got there.
0: That is correct.
5: My reaction is perplexed. I'll, um, I'll sit up. I'm in a coffin or a tomb.
0: So it would seem.
5: Okay. I'm going to sit up and then stand up and climb out. Kind of seeing if I can make out any distinct markings
0: of where I am. Well, it's pitch black. Do you have any way to see in the well
5: dark? Uh, so, like for example, if this is like the local graveyard, is there any silhouettes that stand out, like to orient myself? Like, oh, I'm in the graveyard because there's like the chapel. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pitch black. Yeah, you see. Okay. You
0: see no silhouettes. It's pitch black. You get the feeling um, you're in some sort of room just based on the echoing of the walls that are like very close to you. You can, you can feel that there's walls near you, but you can't see anything.
5: Okay. So then, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit up and I'm going to put a hand kind of like above my left eyebrow, like the palm of my hand, kind of rubbing my head as I'm trying to orient and figure out how the fuck did I get here? And realizing I am in a tumor coffin of some sort I'm going to kind of like swing my legs over the edge
0: and slip out. I don't see anything, huh? No, but at this point, I'd like to invite uh, the other PCs to join the scene. You have all likewise woken up uh, inside of heavy stone boxes uh, with barely enough room to lay down motionless. You're free to roleplay from here. Do I hear them? If any of them are making noise.
1: I would start push, banging against my... Uh,
0: anybody father. who wants... Hello? Uh, anybody who wants to uh, force their coffin open, give me a strength check.
1: Father Crow got a 13.
0: <laughs> father Crow, a 13 strength check is enough to heft your stone to the side.
5: Well, that's going to startle the Ooh. shit out of me.
0: Uh, 15. Hey, Vipira, you likewise uh, heft your stone. So yes, uh, Uhtred, uh, you're trying to get your bearings, and all of a sudden you hear you hear uh, more stone slabs being slid to the side. You would recognize it as sounding similar to when you freed yourself from the coffin, but the the loud sound would probably startle you quite a lot in this tiny little okay. room. Hello,
5: who's there? Hello? I'm going to instinctively reach for my um, scimitar,
0: as I'm saying this. You reach for your scimitar, Utrid, and you don't find it. What? What? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, give it
2: back!
5: What? Where am I? What are you talking about? I just came out of a G- coffin. Give me it back. I know you must have it. Where, where did you put it? I hid it in one of these coffins. I'm going to immediately start searching for coffins. I'm going to head towards where I heard that voice coming from, like just arms out in the dark, going forward trying to find.
1: While he's doing that, I'm patting myself to find if I have my sword or any of my my bags or anything on me. Like what I
0: uh. Before we continue, uh, who here has dark vision? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay.
5: Oh shit, I do.
0: Think so. Okay, so for. Yeah, Father Crow and Vipira, you'd be able to see this room. All is darkness and cold stone. You've awoken in a dark stone box only a few inches larger than you in each direction. The cool scent of earth surrounds you. The room you're in is about 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And there are six coffins lined up along the wall next to each other. So you would each see uh, Uhtred Bebenberg who uh you may or may not already know, uh he probably seems very uh distressed. But you see on the southern wall kind of hanging above him a portrait, uh a portrait, and you see uh several crusaders in red uniforms uh illustrated on it. But besides that, it seems to be everything in this room. Uh the Does
1: does that picture mean anything to me? The red uniform? Uh do anything?
0: you go inspect
5: it?
1: I will but after because I assume uh
5: I'm headed right at you guy oh
1: yeah I was like I think we're gonna <laughs> have to deal with the Uhtred part. Got it. You, you better <laughs>
5: acrobatics past me if you do that
1: no
2: I'm not gonna acrobatics
0: pass Vipira you, are you doing anything
2: yeah um so vipira sits up uh probably does the same thing that tra did like rubs my head uh like rub my head oh man where where is it, Utred? What did you do, Uhtred?
0: Uh, so Utred, you you me. You hear a voice Vip calling. Prepare. Why are you here?
2: I. What do you mean? Why am I here? Why am I in here?
0: Trouble always
5: follows you. Yeah, clearly Wait, you two you know, know each too? other. Who said that? Who are you? And where Wait. is my sword?
1: I don't know where your sword is. My name is Father Crow.
5: Why did you say you put it in a coffin? Uh, you know what? Enough of these games. I'm going to cast
0: Dancing Lights. Oh, okay. Uh, so Uhtred, you now have full visibility of this room. And I'm... Hold on. Uh, and I'm seeing uh, that Thalias also made a strength check. You should you should have let me know, buddy. Well, I was
3: waiting for them to uh, sort out their thing. Because my thing is yeah. I slowly I wake up, realize I'm in the dark, don't know where I am. But I very stealthily move the, the slide the coffin topper over, peek out, and then devise my plan.
0: Okay, um, I don't know how stealthy you can be uh, moving this stone coffin (laughs) lid.
3: Yeah, I'm not expecting to be like, you know, tiptoeing, but also I'm not just like heaving as hard as I can seeing how far I can throw the lid. I'm just trying to like move
4: it over and sort of... N- you know. not necessarily trying to hide but not trying to draw right. attention to himself either all right
0: right uh so red you cast dancing lights and the whole room lights up and that's when you all hear another uh large uh grating sound as uh, another coffin lid is uh slid to the side and you all see a man sitting in the westernmost uh coffin or laying and he seems to be peeking out kind of getting a a grip on his situation.
3: And before anyone can react, I jump out and yell, Vandals! Of the Graveyard! What do you want? Why are you here? <laughs> and I take a defensive stance, looking for improvised weapons to start attacking and defending my graveyard. Hey, do you have his sword? What? Pat my pockets. <laughs> I don't have anything, do I?
0: No, actually, and you the last thing you remember, you did have a sword in your hands, but that doesn't seem to be there. Uh, however... You did, uh, you did wake up with, uh, with another instrument in that coffin, uh, and it would have been e- uh, easily accessible to you. There was a shovel in that coffin with you.
3: All right, so I pick up the shovel, and I start, you know, back!
5: Back up! Everybody back up! The gravekeeper? Why is he here? I say, to myself, but out loud as well, uh, more perplexed than anything.
4: And I'm going to go ahead and say, at that point, you hear... One of the other, like the last coffin in the line, you can see the top rumbling, but like whoever's inside can't do anything to to actually move the lid because I rolled a three. <laughs> do they hear anyone? Uh, Who's that? These freaking your out. <laughs> you your Muffled voice inside. Hey, let, hey, let me, how did I get in here? Let me out. Hey, hey.
5: Unfortunately, I am way more concerned about finding my sword than that poor sap.
2: If I start, if I start hearing that, uh, then. Viper is probably hopping over coffins to be like,
1: "We need, we need to get them out." While they're doing that, I just want to quickly look. Is there anything in my coffin besides me?
0: Uh, yes. Give me one second. About to... Is it a? Is it my sword? <laughs> if it is his sword. I'm
1: gonna feel like an asshole. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So you, you all, whether whether you're kind of whether you're all kind of like calming down, getting a grip on your situation, or if you're just frantically searching your person for any items that you might expect to have. Here's a list of what everybody has, for better or worse. Uh, Vipira. You are wearing your leather armor. You also have a belt pouch with caltrops and chalk and thieves tools. Uhtred. Though you don't have any scimitars on you, you do find a dagger. Probably, uh... Like strapped around like strapped around your ankle or something and you still have a locked gauntlet that you probably used uh, for with your uh, scimitar but there is no scimitar locked in it you have a belt pouch with
5: but it's a locked gauntlet man
0: uh, you have a belt pouch with ink and pen a uh, spell component pouch and your spell book was in your coffin Bloody as man. well Thalias. Uh, you hold a shovel in your hands. You also have a belt pouch. You have a simple holy symbol of Shelian, sorry, and you have a simple holy text of Shelian, and a wooden holy in a wooden holy symbol of Shelian. Father Crow, uh, you uh, may be happy to find your short sword uh, still sheathed at your hip, and you have a dagger somewhere else on your person. You're still wearing your leather armor. You have a belt pouch. You have your simple holy text of Iyamade, a spell component pouch, and your wooden holy symbol of Iyamade. All right, so let's uh, go back to Vipira, who was scrambling over to the coffin next to her. that seemed to be that seemed to contain somebody who couldn't
4: quite get out.
0: Rogar, if you want to give me another strength check and Vipira can assist or just give her own strength check to lift the coffin lid.
4: Oh, there's a sixteen. Okay,
0: uh, so Vipira approaches same. the coffin and uh, she gets a, a like a good a good stance, and she's about to heft the thing up. And at the exact same time, Rogyar with newfound strength and adrenaline, uh, pushes the thing off. And between the two of you, the the coffin lid like is is heaved off of the the rest of the coffin with no problems.
4: And Rogiar, uh you can <sighs> now see the room that you're in. I look around and seeing that Vapiero was obviously the one that that helped me out. I'm like, oh, "Thanks, Les. I appreciate that." Uh, no problem. But w- do you have any idea why we're here? I don't even know where we are. How do I? Where are we? Well,
2: uh, who are you people? And I'm like, at this point, Vapiero is kind of like getting a little bit annoyed. Maybe like this is uh, another like crew trying to encroach in on the. Uh, another gang trying to encroach on like uh, the Coffer Crews area. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of sick twisted game this is, but I want out of here.
5: Pipe down, child. You know who we are. I'll put a sock in it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go look in Father Crow's coffin for my sword, and then methodically check every one of these coffins that are open. And if I still don't find it, then I'm opening the last two unopened ones.
0: There's only With one the last one. Yeah. Okay.
5: The last one. All
0: right, uh, Father Crow. You said that you, when uh, Uhtred moved, you were going to check out that uh, that tapestry. Yes. Okay. So you may now do so. He didn't take. Uh,
4: Real ra- ra- quick does does Rogier have anything, or am I just like barely clothed? Oh, no get fucked. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so Rogier, now that you're uh, out in the
0: open, uh, you check your possessions, and you are wearing leather armor. And you have a belt pouch, but there's nothing in it, and that's that's all you've got. Okay. So, Father Crow, so you get a closer look at this. Uh, I think I might have said tapestry before. That it's actually uh, like relief carvings in the walls, uh, in the southern wall. You go and inspect it, and you see at the bottom the words: "Red Shrikes, noble companions in the war against evil. Rest well, my friends." Those are inscribed uh, at the bottom of the relief carving.
1: Hmm. Do I recognize red shrikes?
0: Uh, give me a knowledge history check. I got a 20. So you know that the red shrikes were a, an elite strike force under the historic knight Roslar, named after the town that you come from, or that you're staying in temporarily, Roslar's coffer. So Father Crow... Uh, Another thing you notice about this carving... Um, you, you see an odd similarity in the carvings to the rest of the people in this room. Maybe at first you only notice uh, that you see an Asimar among the, the shrikes... Holding a holy symbol of Iomedae. And you're like, huh, that's a strange coincidence. Uh, but then you see... You see two humans uh, one with a one with a magical scimitar and one with a long sword in full plate armor and you see a female uh, in leather armor uh, with these like wicked clawed hands and you also see a dwarf none of them look exactly like any of you but it's a very very strange coincidence that it seems like the races, genders, and roles of everybody in this relief carving uh, matches that of the people in this room.
1: Huh? Hey, Uhtred. Yes? Is this your scimitar? What? I mean, a picture of your scimitar? I sp- Not your real one. Uh, I'm already up.
5: spinning around excitedly. <laughs> and then no, on the immediate picture. disappointment when I see you putting your hands up
1: not there i mean look the the person on the picture like look this one kind of looks like me what are you talking about father the symbol
5: and i walk over (sighs) all
1: right i don't know i was checking out this picture it's a little weird it's got the red shrikes on it and i noticed that well some of them kind of look like us
5: uh when he says shrikes i feel like uchard being a military man would probably know of what they are give me a knowledge
0: history check 22 uh, you know pretty much the same thing that Father Crow did. Uh, you know that okay. they, they they haven't been around for a very, very long time. They were really only around for the Shining Crusade, which existed almost a, uh, almost a millennium ago. The red strikes.
5: I kind of put my hand up and like feel the carvings, particularly where the scimitar was carved in. And as I'm doing that... I'm going to simultaneously cast Detect Magic.
0: The only magic you detect in the room is coming from your own Dancing Lights spell. Interesting. I have no idea what this could mean.
1: It it might mean nothing, but I just thought it was really strange. Anyway. Well, I mean, it looks Uh, like
5: it's us.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird, right? I don't know what's going on right now. I recognize a fair amount of you, actually all of you from town, but
2: doesn't. what the hell are we doing? I don't know, but it doesn't feel good. Is there a door? Can I see like a door or something
0: that's like, you know, in in and out of this place? Yes, you look around and you actually see, it looks like Thalia's is kind of getting a look at the western end of the room. You see an old looking door, it is closed. Over in that direction. Tholias, you're over there just kind of looking around, and you find a wooden crate on the floor next to the door. All right. I investigate that crate. It's a dusty crate draped with a drop cloth. If you look inside, you will find a couple items. Primarily, you find a, a variety of dried out and useless paints. They look like they just haven't been used in ages. You also find a crowbar, a flint and steel... Three common lamps, two hammers, one hooded lantern, and eight pints of oil, and a dented pewter mug.
3: So, yeah, um, you know, when I came out of the coffin, I was, uh, I-, I thought everyone was grave robbers or, or vandals or something, but immediately <laughs> they were either the worst vandals of all time <laughs> or definitely not vandals. So, I, I was just sort of trying to figure out how the hell I got here. Walked over to this corner, found this box, and while they're looking at the carvings there, I just bring it back over to him and say, hey, uh, I found this over there.
0: Well, Thelias
4: brings over and the loot from that crate. Huh. Well, if nothing else, the crowbar should help. What? We need to find a way out of here, right? Most certainly.
3: I grab one of the lanterns. Yeah. As a gravekeeper, I'm at home with the lantern in my hand. Is anyone grabbing anything uh- else?
5: I'll take the uh, flint and steel. Yeah, is I that would for look. lighting
3: the lanterns? I'm assuming. Uh, well, uh, it's light.
5: Then you know what? I won't take that because I don't need a lantern. So, like, can I get my light going? Uh, I'll hand you the flint and steel.
0: Yeah. So you would need to, uh, you need to put in put uh, some of the oil. You found eight pints of oil. You need okay, to. Yeah. So I get to work on that. Okay. So you put one pint into the uh, lantern, and it lights up. No problem.
3: Perfect. I start now that I've got a lantern. I mean, I know the rooms lit up with dancing lights, but I'm gonna sort of hold the lantern up to you know the carvings, just moving around the room. You know, I found something in here. I'll uh, be rearranging the coffins to like look in them, see they're empty, close them up, just sort of. Did take I ever and get that them. last
5: coffin open?
4: No, nope. I don't think we ever I don't got think that.
5: So. Yeah, I don't think we got that last coffin open. Nope. Well, I'm gonna go back to that then. Cause my sword's in there,
4: and while, while he's doing that, Raggir is going to take the cross, the crowbar, and head over to the door and try and pry it open. Okay. Um. So who is trying to open
0: that coffin? Utrid.
1: I'll go and help with the coffin.
0: Yeah, Thelias as well. Okay, and I assume Utrid is helping too. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, why don't you three give me strength checks? Um. I I suppose uh, Thalias will be the primary uh strength. Check roller, and the other two will be. Oh,
1: Mm, (laughs) mm. well.
0: (laughs) Twenty-one, baby, get
5: on my back. Nineteen, I'm right there with you, a right hand man kind of man.
0: So you guys all find like the perfect handholds, and you you squat down, you lift with your back, and you just heft with all of your might. But the lid doesn't budge. Um, That's not acceptable. And. Upon closer examination, uh, you actually—it actually looks like it's one. It, it the coffin looks like it's one single solid piece. Like it doesn't look like there is a lid. It's just a—it's just a single uh, chunk of stone.
5: Where'd that crowbar go? Uh,
0: so let's go back to uh, Rogyar, who uh, is fiddling with that door, and. It takes you but a moment to realize
4: that the door is not locked and you're able to just open it. <laughs> so does it open inward or out? Out. So I just kind of push the door open and like turn around to the group like, hey guys, we can leave. Let's, let's, let's get out. I don't like enclosed spaces. Can we leave? In a minute. Hold on, hold on.
5: Uh, As I continue to tidy up the room. Would knowledge religion be the appropriate check? What I'm trying to figure out is this one solid piece like Is that a common thing, like, or is that unusual? Is there a reason why sometimes, like, the lid sealed, I guess?
0: Give me a knowledge, religion. 20. Yeah, you two can't really imagine a reason why somebody would carve out this extremely heavy chunk of stone into a coffin and heft it into some sort of crypt or tomb. Just to sit next to five normal coffins, it doesn't make any sense to you. Okay, so Rogar, you open the door, and this room contains several low shelves covered with rags and loose bones. A hallway extends to the southeast, while a stone door to the east is carved with the image of several heroic figures standing solemnly together.
4: And again, I turn back to the group, uh, guys. I this is a this. Th- this is a lovely room, but let's mm-hmm. let's get out of here. I I don't like I don't like tight spaces. Okay, and
1: Father Crow will abandon the uh, coffin lid removal and follow along with. Uh, okay,
0: and Rogyar, you turn your head back to look at everybody else, and you hear behind you in the room that you have opened the door to some strange sounds, like the sounds of maybe like some of the bones had like tumbled from their shelves to the floor and you look back and you see a skeletal figure standing erect and walking towards you the way it's walking is very strange even for a skeleton it's kind of it's legs don't seem to be connected to its hip bones correctly, and it's like shambling very strangely. And its head is tilted like 45 degrees to the left. It's not even looking at you. And it's just shambling towards you uh, as you look back. And I would like everybody to roll initiative. Initiatives. Rogiar. Four. Father Crow.
1: Father Crow got a 15.
0: Uhtred, uh, Five. Thalias. 14. And Vipira. 15. And what are Vipira and Father Crow's initiative modifiers? They're both 3. Yeah. Well, then that's a roll off.
5: I got f- <laughs> oh, to Oh, way top me by 1. <laughs> 1 dollar
2: about. Try hard. <laughs> uh,
0: 5. Okay, so up first is this skeleton. It's so fast. Uh, and it just it shambles up and it's just like it's just looking off to the side as it is it like stumbles its way towards Rogiar. And it closes the distance and it swipes out with a bony claw that'll be a 13 to hit uh i'm flat-footed so that does hit okay rogyar you take four points of damage ow the skeleton winds back and it just it just takes a big swipe right across rogyar's chest up next is vipera do i have any ability
2: to get in there or is it just like completely blocked off
0: uh, you'd need to make an acrobatics check to move through the skeleton space.
2: I'll do that. Uh, I'll take that acrobatics.
0: Okay. And it'd also be a full round action because you're just... You're too far away by Just five far feet. enough away. All right, go ahead and give me an acrobatics check. 21. Woo! Uh, all right, Vipera is able to slip past this skeleton.
2: And uh, can I make my... Yeah, I want
0: my placement right behind it. So you're flanking with Rogiar? Yeah. Okay.
4: Rogiar of the no weapons.
0: <laughs> okay, then up next is Father Crow. I am going to attempt the same Okay. Move. Acrobatics, please.
1: <laughs> I got a natural one oh, for a okay. four. So. Pardon me, I'm coming through. <laughs>
0: uh, you. The skeleton pushes you back, and uh, by the rules of Pathfinder, that pushes you back behind Rogiar.
1: Oh, he's unstoppable. So that that
0: was that was a move action. You still have a standard action. And uh that would provoke from the skeleton as well. That's a 16 to hit. Does
1: that is that provoking due to movement? It punishment? is. Ah. Uh, oh, very is...
0: nice. Uh so Father Crow, you uh you still have a standard action if you want to spend it. You can spend it trying to do the same thing that you did with your move action.
1: Well, he tried to bot me one when I did that. So, I think I'm going to step. Oh. Uh, can I use I can use my standard action yeah. to move, right? Okay. Start a book one. I just forgot all of the rules. <laughs> hey, you're I'm level one there. again. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna step up to where these coffins are again, uh, so um, Ra'Gir can get out of. There
0: okay. Uh, just a warning: those the squares with the coffins are difficult terrain. So.
1: That's fine. I'm just gonna take one step into it, so. Okay. It. Get out of the way.
0: I say. Uh, and it is now yeah. Thelios's turn. How do I feel about skeletons? Are they evil? Uh, They're part of your chosen you career. You are a grave uh, Inherently, know. Inherently, undead <laughs> creatures are evil. Uh, as a move action, uh, as a paladin, you can spend a move action to detect evil. That's what I thought. I'm going to spend a move action as a paladin to detect evil. Uh, so Thalias, you detect an evil, align- an evil aura, but it's not coming from the skeleton, or at least it's not coming from the whole skeleton. instead, the aura you're detecting seems to be coming from, like, inside the skeleton's ribcage. Or, like, like starting from where its heart might be down to its pelvic bone. Hmm. But the rest of the skeleton is not really detecting as evil.
3: It sounds like, uh... I need to smite that evil out of that skeleton. And that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna move as close as I can with the rest of my action. And, uh... I'm going to call out, there is evil in him. I will retrieve it and smite it. Stand aside.
0: All right, so Thelias smites evil. And now it's Utrid's turn.
5: Can I move an acrobatics to there?
0: Uh, with an acrobatics Assuming check, you can. Well yeah. A 14. A 14 is enough to tumble past this skeleton. Uh, and okay. where'd you start from? This square? Yeah, he was like right yeah. at A1. All right, then you had just enough movement Sticks uh, for that to just be your move action. You still have a standard action.
5: Yep. And I'm going to hit this fool with a dagger. All right. That's going to be a 10 to hit.
0: A 10 will not Don't tell help. me I go right through the rib bones. Damn it. Uh, Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, you go for a... You you just muscle memory, like natural instinct. You just go for a gut shot and it just goes through uh, empty space.
5: Uh, The light was in my eyes. And I moved my (laughs) light closer to my face to make it look like there was light in my
4: eyes. (laughs) And now it is Rogiar's turn. Rogiar is kind of mostly in a panic now because he was not expecting to be attacked by a, uh, you know, a skeleton, you know, after waking up in a coffin unexpectedly. So, Rugger is basically going to try to scramble backwards while, like, throwing his hands up defensively. Okay. And as he does so, a blast of air shoots out of his palm at the skeleton. Excuse you. And Father Crow is nice
0: enough to and provoke an attack of opportunity from this thing.
4: So, that is a 13 to 13 does not hit. Oof. Well, thoroughly confused and panicked, Rogier still scrambles backwards behind the Gravekeeper. Alrighty. That brings us back to the skeleton.
0: With its initial target uh, out of reach, it's going to turn around and it's going to attack Vipira. Bring it on, you bony bitch. Oh, so sassy. That is a 6 to hit and an 11 to hit
2: does not hit.
0: Okay, then up next is Vipira. Vipira like swings
2: out her hand like kind of like getting the sleeve out of the way and just like kind of
0: slash at it. And I don't think it's been brought up really yet but what what is Vipira slashing with? Vipira
2: has claws. I, I actually don't know the like actual anatomical look like of them. Like do they look like birds or something? Uh, like is it just like a little bit more
0: bonier than uh, normal? I assume you mean like bird, bird talons, not the whole bird. <laughs> no, they're little birds, <laughs> <laughs> like little birds on my finger. <laughs> uh, they can look however you however you want. Jeez. I mean, uh, I personally was picturing like uh, okay. kind of like saber tooth from X Men. It's just like his fingernails kind of like grow out like super long and and thick.
2: That's. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go with it. Um, I don't know if anybody watched Hunter x Hunter, but, like, I had, like, Killua kind of claws going on, just, like, the bones kind of, like, the skin kind of, like, really forms to the bones and, like, the nails kind of grow out a little bit more, and she's going to make a slash. All right. 13 to hit.
0: 13 does not hit.
2: I'm not flanking, so I should have took that five-foot uh, five step. Uh, I'm going to actually do that now. I'm going to take a five-foot step over here, so that way I'm flanking. Okay.
0: You have two claws.
2: Oh, I'm able to attack twice? Yeah. Oh, okay. First level characters. Who knew? 14 to hit?
0: 14 does not... Uh, hold on. (laughs) A 14 does hit.
2: Ooh. Found its AC, boys. (laughs) And for four damage?
0: Okay. Your claws rake across the skeletal bones, uh, but they don't seem to do any damage.
2: I didn't think so, but at least, very least, I'm flanking here.
0: Okay, so Viper is slash step slash, doing a little battle dance around this thing. Uh, Father Crow, it's your turn. All
1: right, I am going to. Seeing that there is a a man who seems to know this this work well, I am going to hold my action. If the skeleton moves forward, I'm gonna attack it. Okay.
3: Did you just call me a beshoveled man? (laughs) (laughs) You are, It's amazing.
0: Alright, it is the beshoveled man's turn. Thelias, you're up. Alright,
3: I take a five-foot step forward
0: Okay. and um, smite him right in his evil. Okay.
3: I've never smote evil before. What do I do?
0: Uh, (laughs) For now, uh, do nothing, because your smite evil's not actually going to... Work as intended. So just go ahead and oh. uh, give me a uh, attack roll with your shovel.
3: Okay. Oh no. Oh no. Good again. 18. Oh yeah. 18 hits. Yes. Five damage.
0: Okay. Gong. Uh, and the shovel, the shovel smacks this skeleton right across the the chest, and it seems to do uh, all five points of damage.
3: Exactly as I drew it
0: up. And the skeleton just kind of falls apart uh, with Thalias's mighty swing. And in the pile of bones where it stood, you all see a uh, kind of uh, a very tiny looking creature with glowing red eyes that seem to have been hiding inside of the skeleton. An evil creature? Uh... This tiny, skittering creature looks like an insect made of fish bones with a head full of glowing red eyes. Thelias, this is the source of the evil aura that you detected. All right. Time to smite it. What is that? Anybody mean? who wants to can give me a knowledge planes check. 13 for old Thelias. 17 for Aethelbert.
4: 19 for Uhtred.
0: 16 for Vipira.
4: Rogiar? I don't know nothing about no planes. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: All right, Uh, well, all the rest of you uh, miraculously know what this creature is. It is called an Ostavite. Uh, It is... (laughs) Oh! It is a tiny tiny abyssal scavenger from the chaotic evil plane of the Abyss. They typically skitter across demonic battlefields amid carnal pits and through sewers looking for corpses on which to feed. Let's see here. Uh, Thalias, you can ask one question. Vipira, Father Crow, and Uhtred—you can each ask two questions about this creature. Um, I want to know how to. uh, I want to know if it's weak to anything. You know that it has no weaknesses. Just as I expected. I would like to know if it's common to the mortal plane. You know that not typically. It's. It's certainly not impossible that it might make its way into the material plane through some chance planar barrier uh, but typically they're almost exclusively encountered on the abyss in the abyss
1: i would like to know a special ability sure uh
0: it has a special ability called bone chariot so a ostavite uh, can spend one hour extracting the bones and then softening and reweaving them around itself creating a deformed and skeletal version of the original creature This bone chariot functions as if the corpse had reanimated and gained the skeleton template, but gains the construct type instead of undead, and has no will of its own. It moves and attacks at the direction of the Ostavite, which rides in its center. Whoa,
1: that's pretty dope. I love the name of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's
3: pretty sick. Unfortunately, Um, it has to die, but that's totally cool.
2: Yeah, crush. Uh, Can we play the HP game? Sure. 20. Lower. All
4: right. Considering this is our first episode, why don't we tell people what the HP game is?
0: Sure. Uh, oh. So what, we're, so what we're doing right now is uh, anytime anybody encounters a new creature, everybody rolls a knowledge check based on the creature's type. And if they get the DC, which is based off the creature's challenge rating... Uh, they know what it is and they get to ask one question about this creature. And for every five by which they go above that DC with their knowledge check, they can ask an additional question. One question that we have kind of created into our own little homebrew question is the HP game. You throw out a number and I say higher or lower. And if you miraculously get the right number, then I just say, yeah, it has exactly that many hit points. So Uh, Vipira, Father Crow, and Utrid each got two questions. I'm not sure who's asked how many. I know Thalias asked his one and I've gotten three questions one. beyond him. Uh, so each of you can ask me one additional question besides Thalias.
5: Have we asked does it have any resistances? Uh, no. Scratch that. Can I ask does it have any DR?
0: You know it does not have any damage reduction. I don't have any more questions. Ask if it has any resistances.
1: Does it have any resistances? You know that it is
0: immune to cold damage. I'm glad you asked that. That's good to know for me. <laughs> Vipira? Uh,
2: HP game. Okay. Uh, 12.
0: Lower. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is. I think it's Father Crow's.
4: Yeah, Thalias just smacked it and like dropped the skeleton and made this thing appear. Ah, yes. And that was... So then it is Utrid's turn.
5: Uh, before the skeleton crumpled, did it appear to be a human skeleton?
4: Yes,
0: uh, a human, a human skeleton that got improperly put back together, but yes, it didn't look like any monstrous creature. Uh, I mean, could it have been an elf skeleton or a half orc skeleton, or maybe? But yeah, some sort of medium sized humanoid creature.
5: One more quick question: Would knowing what it was, would it just be common knowledge? Whether it's like can communicate, or is it? Should I treat it more like it's a animal?
0: That would have been a very good question to ask. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> All right, whatever.
5: <laughs> <sighs> See, now that now you put me in the position, do I just shout out and every that everyone else is gonna be like, what a fucking idiot. He knows that thing can't talk back to him.
0: Well, I imagine unless anybody says otherwise, I imagine that when everybody is asking these questions to me and I'm giving you answers. I imagine that your characters are kind of sharing that knowledge with each other.
5: Okay. Um, so I'll say, "Where are we?" Answer, or we will crush
0: you. It's just kind of, oh, no. it's just kind of hissing and sputtering at you, and it's got like its its front mandibles, like it's like reared up, and it's like, like squeak, <laughs> and it looks like it's uh, not uh, in the mood to talk
5: to you all right then in that case taste my blade and I'm gonna stab it with the dagger while simultaneously feeling a little bit more depressed that it's not my scimitar it's <laughs> uh, an eight to hit uh, did that include
0: flanking does not hit I told you it's not my it's not my normal sword <laughs> uh, then up next is rogiar
4: uh, thoroughly confused as to what the hell everyone is kind of stabbing at I guess rogiar will step forward five feet and kind of like tentatively sh- like hold out his the palm of his hand and like do it again and another blast of air
0: yeah you're up. like uh toby mcguire figuring out your your web swinging powers for yeah. the first time <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah puberty <laughs> <laughs> and uh you're gonna take a minus four um, on your attack roll for firing into melee
4: unless you took precise shot uh, I don't think I did. I think I have point blank, but not precise, because I only have, you know, one a level one. Yeah. So, uh, with that, that's a nine to you hit. miss
0: again. Uh, these these powers are strange and new to you. The Ostovite, being a tiny-sized creature, actually needs to enter another creature's space in order to hit it. Uh, it can't take a five-foot step. So it's going to go after Vipira again, and that's going to provoke from Vipira... Utrid and Thalias as it. I'll take scares. Uh,
3: my action first.
0: Okay. So now you do. Uh, so your Smite Evil does affect this creature.
3: It's uh, 24. Oh my god. Yeah, that hits. And does Smite Evil add any damage? Or? Yeah. So
0: you're getting a plus two bonus. Or you're getting a bonus on your attack roll equal to your charisma modifier. And you're getting a bonus on your oh, okay. damage equal to your paladin level.
3: Whoa. Okay.
0: The damage was six
3: plus one. Seven damage.
0: You just <laughs> slap the flat of your shovel blade <laughs> on the ground at this thing, <laughs> and uh, you you hear some satisfying crunches sa- uh, come from its carapace, but it's con- it's still moving.
5: Hmm.
2: Uh, does this give me sneak attack or no?
5: You're flanking. Oh, okay. Uchid had a 15 to hit. That hits. It takes three damage. Okay. Oh, God. Vipira, uh,
0: things okay. still moving.
2: Oh, 21 to hit. 21 hits. Seven, uh, actually, seven uh, claw damage, and then two uh, for the sneak attack. Oof.
0: All right, so bang, shovel, stab, dagger, and then slice, claw, and this thing stops moving, like, inches away from vipira's foot, and the danger seems to be past. Uh, not for long, I imagine. These things could
1: be hiding in anything. I carefully get out of the coffin. <laughs>
0: They're fill The coffin is filled with them like packing peanuts. What does A2, the room, look like? I believe I already described it. This room contains several low shelves covered with rags and loose bones. A hallway extends Eight. to the southeast, while a stone door to the east is carved with the image of several heroic figures standing solemnly together. So that would be like the, the other end of the door that leads to the room you just came from.
5: I would like to look at that carving since I looked at the first carving. Okay.
3: While he's doing that, I'm going to pick up the bones and um, put them in a neat pile and say a little prayer for my uh evilly possessed bone
5: friend. You can put it in a coffin.
4: No, I, I think a pile. I'm mostly just going to look at the palm of my hands and wonder what the hell just <laughs> happened.
0: Oh, careful. You <laughs> shoot your head off. <laughs>
4: okay. Uh Uhtred, you're
0: looking at the you're looking at the carving on this door and it it's, it's a different image they're like in different poses but you see all the same characters that are in the relief carving in the room you woke up in
5: and i don't remember any like uh stories of the uh what were they called the red
0: sack the red shrikes
5: no uh no stories or l- legend come to mind about uh a small group of them getting re reincarnated or something
0: you don't you you remember them being heroes from the Shining Crusade uh you know they they participated in several significant battles but
5: can I narr- can I help narrow this down do I remember any, any battles that they had on the non-material planes
0: you're not aware of any battles they had that didn't take place uh like against the whispering tyrant Tarbafan which would have been in Last Wall, the country that you grew up in, or else Ustalav, the uh, the kingdom just to the north of Last Wall. Uh, so they they would have been very localized to your geographic area, if even if that area is quite large. But yeah, you're not familiar with them having any interplanar battles.
5: All right, then the last thing I'll do is cast detect magic.
0: Okay. Uh, you once again do not detect any magic besides perhaps still your Dancing Light spell.
5: Do us as individuals register as magical?
0: No. Detect Magic only detects magical items or ongoing spell effects. Gotcha. So you're all looking around this room. You've you've had a couple minutes at this point between waking up, opening this door, looking around the first room, looking around this room, fighting the skeleton and the Ostovite, And you're kind of like acclimating to your situation and be, beyond the obvious observable situation you find yourselves in, there's something else going on that you can't quite place, uh, something in the air or maybe just some unseen energy for most of evil. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel evil. Uh, but for most of yeah. you though, it is extremely distracting uh, it's as if this place has its own personality or ego, and that ego is in direct conflict with your own. Uh, Father Crow, Thalias, and Vipira, this unseen edge is hitting you three the hardest, and all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma-based ability and skill checks you make are going to be at a minus four penalty until I say otherwise. Utrid, you can also feel this disturbance, but somewhat less so, and you only take a minus two penalty. Uh Rogyar, though you certainly have the Heebies probably from waking up in what appears to be an underground tomb, uh, this that is an entirely separate factor, and you are taking no such penalty. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's almost like this it's like this constant, like distracting, like almost like buzzing sound, or just this It's just this feeling in the back of your head that's just constantly nagging at you. You have no idea what it is, but it is very distracting.
1: Does anyone hear a hum?
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: Yes. I kind of rub the back of my neck like, "I, I don't know. It's just something's in here that's not right. I don't necessarily know if it's a hum. It's more of a feeling.
4: All I know is I don't like it. Can we please leave?
1: Yeah, Rogier's right. We should go.
4: It is time.
0: Okay. The only way to go from here is south.
5: I'm not I going went. first. I'll go first. I went ten to.
0: I'm going forward.
4: last. Okay. Uh, you. <laughs> I opened the last door and got hurt. You exit the
0: room and you only go about ten feet, and uh, you come to a small alcove on the east wall of this hallway, and it contains a few stone shelves. The shelves contain supplies that look like they were intended for visitors. You see a dozen candles, you see a silver holy symbol of some sort of deity, a magical wand, and five magical potions, and a healer's kit. So Uhtred, uh, if you had uh, continued detecting magic, uh, that would suddenly be paying off oh, for you, you. know I did. Yeah, I, of course I did. Uh, so I would like a knowledge religion check for the holy symbol and spellcraft checks for the magical wand and the potions. Let's do uh knowledge religion first.
5: Okay. Father Crow got a twenty-three. And Utrud got a seventeen. Okay. Uh
0: you would both recognize this holy symbol as belonging to Aridon. Aridon is a is a dead god. Uh not that he is a god of the dead. He's actually he, he is deceased. Uh he he was actually like he was known as the god of man. He uh he ascended from How
5: do you kill a god?
0: Ah, that's uh, it's one of the great mysteries of the world actually. Uh, he, he used to he actually was a mortal man. He ascended to divinity and he was actually a very popular he was a very popular uh, god and only about a hundred years ago he just mysteriously died. Nobody knows why and nobody knows how. but you know that he was a very popular god during the Shining Crusade, which it seems this tomb that you're in dates back to
1: many dead things in this crypt
5: gods too
0: the crypt of a dead god
5: what a
3: now this whole time um we all don't know what we're doing here like i woke up and i was like "Hmm, i don't remember going to sleep here and then now we're just sort of wandering around this place
0: yeah yeah i mean feel free to discuss huh
3: yeah that, that's what i'm trying to like we're walking around now, got our bearings a little bit. I smited a skeleton, and I'm thinking, "What? Are, where are we? What is this place? Who are you guys, and what are we doing here? And I, I pretty much just start that
5: discourse saying exactly that. Hmm. Well, I think we all vaguely know who each other is. Right.
1: But for those who don't know, my name is Father Crow. And then I look around to whoever speaks next.
3: Thalias, the local gravekeeper, and... um. What was the last thing you all were doing last night?
5: Last I remember, I was having a drink with Master Stonebuckle. Yeah, that's right. You two were there.
2: I... I was at the tavern, too. And you two were there. And now we're here.
5: That's about as much as I've got.
2: And where were you two?
5: Uh,
2: Father Crow and Thelias? In the
3: graveyard, of course.
1: Uh, the last I remember, I was at the church. I hold up my symbol. Yeah. I was with Nathaniel. Odell, you might know him.
2: No. No, I don't know him. I don't know you two, and you two keep on giving me issues, so... The only issues
5: that you've had are ones of your own making. You were there. I... I helped. I One helped. One good deed does not raise that of many bad
4: deeds. What are you talking about? I really don't know, but can we please talk about it once we get out of here? This is really freaking me out. Fair enough. I'm gonna roll some
5: spellcrafts. Okay. First one's a twenty three. How many do I need here?
0: Five? Uh just give me one more. Twenty one. Alrighty. Uh so you would recognize the magical wand as having the spell create water. You see that there are twenty eight charges left. The five potions are all potions of cure light wounds.
5: I'm going to uh, take the five potions and start handing them out one at a time. These appear to be potions of cure light wounds. Everyone, take one.
4: Raggir immediately drinks it. <laughs>
5: Thank you. Oh, might be wise to save that. That skeleton hurt. That's a good point. I've never seen a merchant man take a shot like that and stand up.
4: Well, they. Build us kind of hardy in the Five Kings Mountains. Anyone taking the wand or any of the other items? Uh, I
5: will relay that appears to be a wand of create water. Create water. I don't think I can. I don't have that spell, so I don't think it would be best served with me unless no one else can use a wand.
1: Well, I can use the wand. if We need water.
5: I have a feeling we might. I'm beginning to think we're not on the material plane anymore.
4: Wait, not on the what? Not on the who?
5: Yes, Rhaegar, mes- yes, I said it. Unless we are in a particularly, I'm not sure, I guess, ca- ev- evil place of the material world, generally ostophytes are not found on our plane.
1: But they do travel to it,
5: don't they? It's not impossible, but highly unlikely. Certainly not through its own ability. I say that kind of assuming.
0: Correct. They do. They don't have any natural proclivity for plane hopping. Yeah, I
5: didn't think so. I I knew that, but I didn't know whether I could communicate with it in common or not. <laughs> we only explored these last
2: three rooms, and you're already jumping to conclusions like this. Do you not feel it in the air? I, f- well, I
1: don't. I feel something. Yeah. I feel
2: bothered. I feel annoyed. Well. And you're but you're saying that we're in a whole other plane, though.
5: As Master Stonebuggle has said, let's leave and find out. I agree. And uh Elias starts walking. Yeah,
0: I start walking. Alright. So you continue south. After another ten feet or so, the hallway opens up again, and the marble walls of this large hall are carved with several images of battle, each featuring a knight astride a lean horse. The knight wears no helmet and has long hair and a wide mustache. In each of the images, the knight is charging at undead horrors with a rapier in hand. Two halls lead out to the western portion of this room, one to the north and one to the south. Three large archways lead out of the room to the east. The archway to the northeast is carved with the words, At my right hand, peace for years of righteous labors. The archway to the east is carved with the words, Roslar, hero and paladin at his well-earned rest. And the archway to the southeast reads, Loyal Abdel, support thy master always. Sprawled in the center of this room is a human-sized metal figure that resembles a skeleton wrapped in robes. The limbs of the figure are askew and melted as though with acid.
3: Melted with acid, huh?
0: Yes. And I will, uh, well, this thing is probably the most interesting thing in the room. Everybody here knows who Roslar is. You -hmm. guys live in Roslar's coffer. You know that the town was named after him. He was a war hero from the Shining Crusade. And he has a large tomb in the cemetery south of Roslar's coffer.
3: Is there anything, when I'm inspecting the statue, is there anything of note
5: other than what I see immediately? Um... And of a uh, lore, we only know him of fighting against the, uh, what is it? The Whispering...
0: The Whispering Tyrant.
5: Um, whispering Tyrant. You, you,
0: I mean, he may have fought the Whispering Tyrant himself, but I mean, that's that would be pretty fantastic if he did. The Whispering Tyrant was like the leader of his army. Roslar was a war hero. You're not sure if he was like...
5: No, 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 I was asking, like, we only know of his lore from that battle, right? Not like, yeah, he fought in that war, and he fought in this war, and yeah. he did this great
0: thing. I I think I get where you're, I see where you're getting at, and you are not aware of any interplanar adventures that Roslar had. Uh, th- so Thalaias and anybody else who might be uh, looking at this statue thing can give me a Knowledge Arcana check. Oh, uh, Twenty-four. Ooh, The creature is dead, and it's been warped by some sort of corrosive uh, influence, but you recognize this statue as a celadon. You know that celadons are uh, forged of extraplanar metals, and they exist to serve a single deity. You know that they are created, or at least conjured, by uh, gods or servants of the gods to care for divine sites divine locations and you may ask uh three questions about a celadon
5: now you said that they are servants of a god as in an individual or
0: uh yes not collectively as like a race but an individual celadon serves an individual god but okay. you, so you could have a celadon of Iamade or a god or a celadon of Asmodeus. Gotcha.
5: Okay. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, do they only function at the command of said god, or does
0: it? I guess have free will. They have free will, uh, but they they exist to, if not serve their god. Uh, better uh they they exist to serve their god's agenda
5: right right but like how they serve that agenda they have choice of
0: correct okay
5: uh and you said this one's dead
0: yeah it is clearly it is clearly dead uh it's clearly dead
5: uh does do they all have weaknesses
0: uh you're not aware of any weaknesses uh, that they have though this one was clearly what's... uh melted somehow
5: can I play the HP game? Sure. So this thing is fucking works for God. I'm
0: gonna say a God. I'm gonna say a hundred lower. These these creatures are more the caretakers, like groundskeepers of. Uh, okay,
5: they're not like a tool of destruction. No. Can I can I rephrase? Can I pick a new number? Knowing that, sure.
4: Fifty lower
5: okay my god it's a celadon i never thought i'd actually see one that they're like a servant to a god think of them as a godly butler and i'd like perception checks from everybody the level of power to conjure one of these is immense do you know that or are you just assuming well they're servants of a god and i smile so am i you are no god
1: no, I'm a servant of a god, though.
5: Well, yes. The Celadon did not conjure
0: itself.
1: No, but it didn't take much to conjure me, either.
0: What is everybody's perception, checks?
4: <laughs> uh, Rogiar got a 15. Crow
2: got a 12. Uchid got an 8. 2 from Phileas. 13 from Vipira.
0: Rogiar is the only one to spot the glowing red eyes coming from within a, a crevice melted out in this celadon and you are part of the surprise round as an ostavite leaps out and attacks you all everyone roll initiative oh my god rogiar uh 14 okay utrid 13 thalias 11 vipera 11 Fire. father crow 14 okay and what is your initiative modifier and rogiar three Tube. Okay, so Father Crow got the best initiative out of all of you, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's the surprise round. It is the Ostavite's turn. The Ostavite is going to spend its move action uh, entering Thalias's space. The Ostavite is beginning to crawl up Thalias's leg. You can feel its chit in his feet, uh, like poking, poking at your feet and your skin. Uh, yeah,
4: totally not cool. and now it's
0: Rogier's turn standard or move action
4: Rogyar's gonna throw up his hand and you know try and blast at it like oh, that's another one okay I don't think it counts as melee because nobody's attacked yet and
0: the actually I'm gonna call it melee because the thing is like right in
4: th- yeah it's on me <laughs> all right well with uh, with the penalty that is a 13 to hit 13 will not hit Okay, so that brings
0: us to the combat proper, and Father Crow, it is your turn.
1: I'm going to run up to Thalias, and I'm going to try and see if I can yank the bug off of him. Oh.
0: Okay, uh, give me a CMB to grapple it, and that'll also provoke. Actually, it won't attack. It won't provoke, because you're. it can't reach you. I got a 10 on my CMB. That will grapple.
1: Oh, get wrecked, little bug. Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm just going to move it to right there. Okay, so Father Crow, you're able to pull this thing off of Thalias's leg, and it's all of it, it. The thing is like the size of a house cat, so it is certainly not a tiny little bug, but uh, you're able to hold it, and you can just see like all, all of its chitinous little legs just uh like writhing in writhing in the air as it tries to uh get on it tries to like cling onto something so it can start crawling again (laughs) fucking grody (laughs) and it is the ostavite's turn again the ostavite is going to bite father crow or it's going to try to i got a natural 20 that might hit uh and that is a 11 to confirm that does not all right Okay, you take one point of damage from its little mandibles, but then uh, out of its mouth comes an incredibly powerful spray of acid, and you take six acid damage. Oh my god.
3: Ooh, oh my god. You know we're level one, right?
0: <laughs> so it bites you in the arm uh, where you're holding it, but the acid just like sprays everywhere. It gets all over your face and your chest. And you just hear the sizzling sound of your skin melting. Ah! And it is now Rogiar's turn.
4: Hold still, you little bastard! You try it one more time.
1: Don't you fucking kill me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> that is, again, a 13 13 to will not hit. It's grappled, goddammit. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh,
0: so that's minus, so it's got a minus two on its AC. So, being grappled, a 13 actually will hit it.
4: All right. So, that is going to take uh, 10 damage from a blast Whoa. of
0: air. So, that blast of air comes and it just, like, like shears apart part of this creature's carapace. But it is still uh, wriggling in Father Crow's arms, which are now dripping with this acidic slime. Uh, and it's now Utrid's turn.
5: Um... I'm going to spend an arcana point to give my dagger a plus one. Okay. And go all stabby stabby. Ooh, I rolled a natural
0: 20. Okay, roll to confirm. So that's a nine. Nine will not confirm, but you definitely hit it.
5: Uh, so I did three damage on the unconfirmed
0: crit. Okay, you did not crit it, but you were able to kill it with your dagger. Aha. ha
1: Father Crow screams fuck. I'm not going to do it because it'd be awful audio. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Father Crow screams fuck and throws the carcass into the southern wall. My gosh. I reach for my potion and chug it. Okay. I heal five. Okay.
0: So Father Crow drinks his potion, heals five damage. Uh, And it it is now clear that you are... The skeleton and Ossuvite you fought before was not just some chance encounter. There are other creatures in this tomb, whatever it is, with you. And you're going to have to figure out where you are and fight your way to freedom. But where that freedom is, it's really not easy to tell. Hopefully you can find where to go next week on the Inspired Incompetence podcast. All right. See
2: ya. Well, <laughs> man, first episode. Oh. see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.